hello. Welcome back to the Not So Grateful Dead podcast. It is your host, Grayson Decker, back at it again with another lovely Halloween episode. This is number six out of eight. I am so excited that you're here. Today is kind of a more true crime episode, but it does relate to Halloween, but it is just basically a true crime episode. So, I hope you're excited. I'm excited. Let's get into it. On Halloween night of 2004 in Napa, California, Lauren Minza, Adrian and Sonia, and Leslie Mazzara had all been home after a fun Halloween night of handing out candy. The three of them had been living together at the time. Lauren Minza and her dog, Chloe, headed to bed that night around 11, and the two of them fell asleep. Around 2 a.m. on November 1, 2004, Chloe, Lauren's dog, begins growling, which wakes Lauren up. Once she's awake, she begins hearing noises outside of her bedroom. At first, she believes that maybe one of her roommates had brought home a boy, but it is quickly determined that it is most certainly not that, but a fight and screams. Lauren then runs out of her bedroom, and this is when she sees an unknown man running down the stairs before he jumps out of the front window of the home. She then runs upstairs because her bedroom was the only one downstairs, and obviously this man came flying down the stairs after she had heard screams and fighting, so she needed to go check on her roommates. Once she arrives upstairs, she finds both of her roommates, and they had both been stabbed repeatedly. She immediately calls 911, but at this point, it is too late. When authorities arrive on scene, they sadly find both Adrian and Sonia and Leslie Mazzara deceased. When authorities investigate the scene, it is gruesome. There is blood everywhere. Both of these women were phenomenal humans with bright futures, and they didn't deserve anything that was, like, done to them, and they didn't deserve for their life to be ripped away from them. Leslie Mazzara was a former beauty queen from South Carolina, and she was working at a local winery at the time, and Adrian and Sonia was working as a civil engineer at the time of this case. There was a ton of bloodstain evidence that was left behind at the scene of the crime. This blood was able to give investigators a rough story as to what happened in the home. The route that the killer seemed to have taken was through the front window of the home. He then goes up the stairs. He first goes into Leslie's room and brutally attacks her before then going into Adrian's room and brutally attacking her as well. He then flees the scene through the same window that he came into and it was believed that Leslie, like while she was being attacked, Adrian woke up and turned on her light and then that actually prompted the killer to enter her room next and it was reported that the scene showed how hard Adrian had fought back against her killer trying the best that she could to stay alive. There was quite a few other very crucial pieces of evidence left behind in this case. There were three cigarette butts found at the home of the women. There were two in the front yard and then there was one in the backyard. 
In total, investigators gathered 71 pieces of evidence in this case, which is just absolutely insane and so incredibly rare. That is so much evidence to work with, and it really gave them a positive outlook on solving this case. There was a bundle of black zip ties that were left behind at the scene of the crime, and it was basically just a bunch of them that were held together with a rubber band, and it was laying right under the window where the perpetrator had entered the home and exited. There was nothing stolen from the home, so there did not seem to be a motive for money or anything like that, and we discussed how Adrian's room looked as though she had put up a fight and fought hard. Let's now discuss what Leslie's room revealed to investigators. In Leslie's room, it looked as though she had been in bed or asleep at the time of her attack, and she really did not have time to defend herself or even prepare herself for the horror that was coming her way. Now let's talk about some possible suspects. Upon investigation into Leslie Mazzara's background, authorities found that one of her ex-boyfriends, his father, had actually been really bothering Leslie in the months leading up to her murder. This ex-boyfriend was someone she was dating before she even moved from South Carolina to Napa, California, and this guy's dad just continued to call and bother Leslie. Just fucking weird if you ask me. Like, why are you calling your son's ex-girlfriend continuously and bothering her? It just does not make sense, and it's very uncomfortable. To go even further with this, when investigators looked at the phone records of the landline in the home of the women, they found that this man had called their home multiple times on the night of the mur murder, which seems a little weird, seems a little suspicious, if you ask me. But even after all of the suspicious activity, both the ex-boyfriend and the father had alibis for that night and there were also witnesses of these alibis. So we gotta scratch him off of the list even though he's just, he's still just a creepy motherfucker, okay? There was also another suspect and this was a handyman who had actually done work that very same day when the murders occurred and this was at the home of the women but he too had an alibi. More than 200 people were interviewed and this brought the authorities nothing. They were stuck with no leads and no clues on where to go next. And two weeks after these murders occurred, friends of the women held a candlelight vigil to ensure that their case stayed in the public eye and gained as much traction as possible. Adrian and Leslie deserved justice. Eventually, investigators got something extremely crucial to this case. After they had DNA tested the crime scene evidence, it was determined that there was blood at the crime scene that did not belong to Adrian or Leslie. Not only was this DNA different, but when it was analyzed, it was found that there was an X and a Y peak in the DNA profile, which meant that investigators now knew that the perpetrator was in fact male. There was also quite a bit of this blood that belonged to the male DNA profile, which hinted to investigators that this killer must have cut themselves during this terrible act. Blood is super slippery, so when stabbing someone, it is likely that one could slip somehow and cut themselves while they're trying to stab someone. 
Two of the cigarette butts matched the DNA of the blood found on the stairs. And not only did the blood provide DNA, but investigators also found a decent amount of DNA on the rubber band that held the zip ties together. The DNA was then inputted into CODIS, or the Combined DNA Index System, but this, however, revealed nothing to investigators. No one really had any idea who this could have been or how they were tied to the crime. So the suspect pool was huge. They really just were kind of stumped. Now this piece of evidence is just so crucial and specific. It's just crazy how it worked out. But there had been this pattern that was on the cigarette butts that were found on the scene. And there weren't actually any letters or even a brand, but there was a pattern. And this pattern was this sort of leafy gold pattern. And to me, it kind of looked like the fork portion of like a little gold pitchfork, if you will. This pattern wrapped all the way around the mouthpiece area of the cigarette. Investigators did some digging and found out that this brand of cigarettes was Camel Turkish Gold. And they were actually fairly new to the market at the time of this case, and they were only sold in certain stores as well. So they were just not very well-known cigarettes. So they kind of narrowed down this pool of suspects quite a bit. Lauren was asked to try and provide a list of anyone who they might have known who was a smoker. The bloodstains from the killer were on the right side of the stairwell walls, and this indicated to investigators that the killer was most likely right-handed, and the injury was on the right hand. Authorities then reached out to a forensic DNA expert, Tony Ferdakis, and he had recently discovered a technique where he could determine the physical characteristics of a person through a DNA sample. Through this, Tony can determine ethnic identity, hair color, and even eye color. Basically, a physical description through DNA, which is honestly pretty cool to me, and not only being able to do this, but he uses such a small percentage of the DNA, it's just mind-blowing. Science is so fucking cool. The DNA sample, after being tested, was determined to be primarily Northwestern European, which would mean that this killer was not Hispanic or African American in ethnicity. This gives them the chance to narrow down the suspect pool even further. It was also proved that this individual had either blue or green eyes, and he most likely had a lighter colored hair. So like we discussed earlier, Lauren was asked to tell investigators about any of the smokers in their friend group that she might have known, that they might have known, and she actually told investigators that the only person that she could think of was Eric Koppel. But before police could actually get to Eric Koppel and ask him even just one question, he walked himself into the police station and confessed to killing Adrian and Sonia and Leslie Mazzara. It is discovered that Eric had actually known Adrian and Sonia through his ex-fiancee, Lily Prodhome. Though Eric had confessed to the authorities, he refused to tell them why he did what he did. And he also kept telling them that he had no idea where the murder weapon went. Fucking liar. But I digress. A DNA test confirmed that Eric Koppel's DNA was the DNA that was on the cigarette butts and the blood that was left behind at the scene. 
It was later discovered that Eric had actually blamed Adrian for the end of his engagement with Lily. Basically, Adrian was being a good-ass friend and looking out for her bestie, just telling her how she could do better and deserved better than Eric Koppel, and just kind of gave her a warning. She was worried about him and his behavior and obviously worried about her best friend. So, what really happened on the evening of Halloween? Eric Koppel had gone to a Halloween party that evening where he ran into Lily, his ex-fiance. She obviously just wasn't very happy to see him, and the two of them caused a small scene before Eric just left the party. Eric then went home, and he admits at this time he was pretty drunk, and then he heads over to the home of Adrian, Leslie, and Lauren. After he arrives, he cases the home for a while, and this is why he leaves the cigarette butts behind, because he was basically just sitting outside, waiting, watching, smoking cigarettes, being a fucking creep. He used the knife to pry the window open. He then kills the women and flees. He then goes home and burns his clothing because it's covered in blood and he goes to bed. That's about it. And then get this shit. The next day, he is consoling Lily because her best friend Adrian had been murdered the night before. That is absolutely fucking sickening. Just, oh my god, you're gonna kill her best friend and then... <sighs> I just, I can't even get into it. It's gonna piss me off. And not only this, but he uses this time as an opportunity to quote-unquote mend their relationship. And the two of them get married just months before he is arrested. And Adrian's mother was part of their ceremony unknowingly celebrating the man who killed her daughter. Are you fucking kidding? How just absolutely scum of the earth behavior is that of him? I, I can't. It's so terrible. It literally gives me goosebumps because that's just, it's so fucking cold. How dare you? How fucking dare you? Eric Koppel was obviously found guilty and he received a sentence of life in prison. So this is the Napa Halloween murder case and murders, sorry. And it's just so heartbreaking. Both of these women just seemed so wonderful, so beautiful, just so full of life. They were literally so young, barely older than me and you know, just at the very start of their life. And this guy who just is so obviously fucked up, he can't take no for, like, an answer from this ex-relationship. Like, it's just ridiculous. Just absolutely disgusting and terrible and, uh And actually, I forgot to add this in there. Lily, she talks about how she had no idea that he, like, had done any of this or was manipulating her basically, completely lying to her the whole time. So, we don't dislike Lily, we just dislike Eric. He's a piece of fucking shit. That is the case. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it's very sad. I thought it should be shared because, I don't know, that's just something that we should all pay attention to. Be very careful, be very vigilant, pay attention to your surroundings, pay attention to the people that you spend time with, that you're quote-unquote friends with, just make sure you know who you're hanging around. 
It's just so scary, especially nowadays. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. All right, everyone. So that brings our episode six to the Halloween special to a close. It was fun. It was a very true crime episode. Completely true crime, but it happened on Halloween, okay? I had to just add at least one of these in there. I hope you enjoyed it. It is just such a heartbreaking case. So heartbreaking. But like I said, it deserved to be shared and they deserve justice and they got that justice because he was just so messy with it all so messy he deserved what he got that is about it if you would like to be entered in the drawing to win the spooky basket make sure to head over to my facebook or instagram and like that post about me doing the spooky week that it was like the announcement post about doing the spooky week Go like that one and then comment your favorite Halloween movie. And that's about it. Just make sure you're following me. Like it. Comment. That's about it. You're entered. I'm going to be drawing soon. That's why I'm really trying to get you to go do it. Because it's coming up. You got two more episodes. And then your opportunity will be gone. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.